today from Pastor Abraham Langford of Jesus Church, Cambridge. This is a very powerful message tonight. It's from Psalms 90, verse number one, and we're going to go into Psalms chapter 91 in just a moment. But I want you to look up here at the screen with me, and we're going we're gonna to look at this first verse. The Lord is my home. Psalms 90, verse one. The Bible says this, Lord... You have been our dwelling place. I want you to look at that again. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. I want you to say it one more time. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. In other words, God is their dwelling place, their home, their place of refuge, their sanctuary, our stability in every generation. Now this is very important um, tonight that you receive this because it's gonna transform the way you live. It's gonna transform the way you worship. Psalms 90 verse one, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. This is very powerful. The word dwelling place comes from the Hebrew word, ma'on. And I want you to listen to this real quick. This Hebrew word, it denotes this, a habitation. A refuge, this is what dwelling place means, an abode of God, the tabernacle or the temple of God, the place where God dwelled. Or for mankind, it could represent our home. For animals, it could represent their lair. But this is essentially what he's saying here. Lord, you are my home. I want you to say that with me real loud tonight. Lord, you are my home. Say it again. You didn't mean it. A couple of people I heard meant it. Lord, you are my home. Amen? Amen? Now, God takes a residence up in you, but have you made God your home? This is going to be a very powerful message tonight, and I believe it's going to transform your life. This is, this is very important. There's a Hebrew word that I just mentioned a moment ago, me'on, but this is very important that you understand this. There's another Hebrew word that comes off of that, and it's meaning almost the same thing, and I can't even describe to you, it's onah. I'm not gonna describe to you the meaning of that, but what I'm gonna say to you tonight is it denotes an intimate relationship with God. In other words, me'on and onah, both of those are interrelated, and both of those are talking about a relationship that is more than just saying, God, you are my hotel I visit. God, you are my home. I rest in, I stay at in your presence. Now, somebody might say, my church home. You might say, I live here, this is my home. But you need to be speaking, God is my home. God is my refuge. God is my dwelling place. God is my sanctuary. God is my stability. Wherever I am, I'm at home when I'm with God. I'm at home when I wake up in the morning because I'm with God. I'm at home when I'm working. Oh, listen to this. I'm at home when I'm working and I'm discouraged. I'm at home when my husband has hurt my heart. I'm at home wherever I'm at. I can be in the presence of God because I've made God my home. I've decided to make God my refuge. He is my strength. 
He's my dwelling place. He's my sanctuary. Some people wait the Sunday to Sunday. They say, we're going to the sanctuary on Sunday. We're going to the sanctuary on Sunday. And we're going to the sanctuary next Sunday. And they wait. God wants to be your home. He wants to be every day an encounter. God made you so you would make him his home. That's why God made you. He, want, he wants you to have an encounter with him every day, every day of your life. That's why David said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray. Why? Because he stayed in constant relationship with the Father. Have you made God your home? Is God your home? Yes. Is God your home every day of your life? Is God your home? Even through a storm, is God your home? Yes. Even through a battle, is God your home? Yes. Listen to this. This is very important. God wants to be so close to us that we are closer to him in spirit than you could possibly be in physical union with your own spouse. God wants to be so close to you that you are closer to him and unity and communion with him than you could possibly even be physically with your own spouse. Because he wants relationship. He wants intimacy. And I'm not saying anything in a degrading way. And I'm not speaking anything that's crude. I'm saying God wants relationship with you. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to be your home. Listen to this. Webster defines, in the 1828 dictionary, he defines the home as a house, a place of rest, the place at which one resides. Home is the sacred refuge of our life. A few quotes that I found, I wrote down. Charles Dickens said this about the home. He said, home is a name, a word. It is a strong one, stronger than any magician ever spoke or spirit ever answered to in the strongest conjuration. An anonymous person once said this, home is the place where we are treated best but grumble the most. Isn't that true? Pliny the elder said this, home is where the heart is. But I love what Moses said. Moses said, Lord, you have been our home through all generations. The Lord is my home. The Lord is my dwelling place. The Lord is the place where I abide. I rest in him. He's my habitation. He's my refuge. Now, I want you to pay close attention to Psalms 90 because Psalms 90 is actually a recorded prayer of Moses. I would encourage you to read the whole Psalm. Psalms 90 is a recorded prayer of Moses and um, the Israelites had been in bondage for over 430 years to the Egyptians. God had freed them. They had the promise to go into the promised land, but they did not possess it because of unbelief and grumbling and complaining in the people. And because of that, they were wandering in the wilderness of sin. During their wanderings, Moses writes this Psalm and then he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, our refuge, our sanctuary, our stability in all generations. I want you to understand how important it is that Moses would write this during the wandering time. In other words, what Moses essentially is saying is this, Lord, even though we never possessed the promised land, you are my home. Even though we were in bondage for over 430 years, yet even then, you are my home. 
No matter where you're at, no matter what situation you find yourself in, if it's bondage in life, whatever it might be, if you're going through disappointment and brokenness in your home, wherever you are, God is your home. If you understand that, he's your habitation, he's your refuge, he's the place you run to in time of storm. Here's the difference. I can tell you if you've made God your home. What's the first thing that you do when you go through difficulty? Most people pick the phone up and call somebody. But when God is your home, you're going to drop to your knees because you're in the habitation of God. No matter what you're going through, you're going to be in the presence of God because God is your home. If God is your home, you're going to get up in the morning and say, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you as in a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. Because you realize that outside of God being the presence that you need and God being the home that you have, when you don't realize that, you're wandering in a dry and thirsty land. Anywhere outside of the presence of God is dry and thirsty in this world. How many of you know that to be true? Before you came to Jesus Christ, it was a dry and a thirsty life, wasn't it? The world doesn't give you what you need. But when you make God your home, he gives you everything you need. This is very important. Here's what Moses is saying. Every generation of your people have made you their dwelling place or home. Every generation. This is very important. Now, how many of you have a house you live in? Think about this for a moment. You might not like your house a whole lot. Maybe you're in here and you wish you had a better house. But when you make God your home, that's all that matters. Because it doesn't matter what your house looks like when God is your home. This is very important. You get this. You might not like the circumstances you're going through, but remember, God is your home. You might not not like your spouse, but remember, God is your home. You might not like the way things are working out in your life, but remember this, God is your home. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. It doesn't matter what's happening in the government. And it certainly doesn't matter who's going to be the next president when God is your home. A few of you actually believe that. It doesn't matter who's going to be in the White House when God is your home. Because he is your refuge. He is in control. And by the way, nobody's going to fix the problems of our land but God himself. Doesn't matter who you vote in there. It's God. And when the church makes God their habitation... Their life will never be the same. I want you to look at somebody again. Say, God is my home. How many of you are starting to believe it? How many are starting to believe it? Say amen. amen. So, when you feel alone, God is your home. When you feel betrayed, God is my home. When you feel oppressed, God is my home. This is important. A home is a dwelling place or place of refuge. We're going to transition from here, and we're going to go to Psalms 91. I want you to pay attention up here on the screen. This is going to be a big shift The Lord, you have been our dwelling place in every generation, as Moses recorded in Psalms 90. Psalms 91, I love this passage. Those who live, and and by the way, we're all sweating. How many of you are hot in here tonight? It's okay. You've already sweated. You stink already. It's going to be okay. Look at this. Psalms 91, verse 1. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to go through this passage here in just a moment and go through each verse. Number one, I want you to see the promises that God gives you. How many of you like promises from God? 
How many of you know that God is not a man that he should lie? So when he promises you something, he's going to do it. Amen? How many of you know his word will not return void, but it will accomplish what he sent it forth to accomplish? Amen? That's what God is going to do. Listen to this. Psalms 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest. How many of you want rest in your heart? I'm not talking about just rest sleeping. I got eight hours in. You can sleep eight to ten hours but not have rest in your heart. You can sleep all day long but not have rest in your spirit. One of the promises of God is those who live in my presence and make me their home. Listen to what he says. Those who live. I didn't say those who visit. I said those who what? Live. Amen. Some of you like visiting God. I like to visit him on Sunday. I like to visit him on Saturday. I like to visit him once in a while whenever I need him. I go into the jam and I need him. God, get me out of this situation. But those who live, there's the promise. Those who abide, those who dwell, those who make God their habitation in the shelter of the Most High will find what? Rest. One of the promises of God is rest. Number two, verse two. God promised to give us refuge. Say refuge. This I declare about the Lord. Some of y'all need to declare good things about God. Amen? Your declaration is important. Whatever you declare, you receive. This I declare about the Lord. He and my boyfriend is my refuge. He and my wife. How about this one? My wife is my refuge. My children are my refuge. You say, why do you say it like that? I'm going to tell you why. Because some of the men I know have not made God their refuge. And I understand. You're leaning on a crutch that cannot sustain your weight. And the reason why you have not made God your refuge is because you don't have the hunger inside of you for God, his presence. My pastor alone is my refuge. Thank God that this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. Now, this is very important. So number two, not only does God promise you rest, but number two, he gives you refuge. Number three, rescue. Verse three, for he will rescue you how many of you need him to rescue you once in a while? Some, sometimes you need him to rescue you from inner, inner turmoil in your mind. You need him to rescue you from pain. You need him to rescue you from enemies, right, in your life. And you need him to rescue you. But look at this. For he will rescue you from every trap. Isn't that awesome? How many of you know the enemy setting snares? Amen? Look at this. He's going to rescue you from every trap. Somebody say every trap. And protect you from deadly disease. Now, this is a promise of God. God will rescue you from every trap. Number four, he promises to give you protection from deadly diseases. Look at this. Look at this. He will protect you from deadly disease. The fourth promise, he will protect you from deadly disease. Do you know there, there have been so many miracles? One of the ones my wife and I recently heard about is a lady who is in another country and she has, her and her husband have started over 10,000 churches. She's in Africa. Listen to this. 
They went to the leper colonies in Africa. Tina, can you hold your hand out for a minute? And you could see the leprosy on the people's faces and their bodies and their hands. Leprosy is an incurable disease. It can be where literally their nose, their flesh can literally fall off their face and rot. It's rotting of their skin. If you touch a leper, you get it because it's contagious. Right? And so she went, and I'm not going to do this. I need another person. Come here, Wendy. Come here for one second. So here's what they did when they went to the leper colonies with flesh rotting off their bodies. Thanks, Tina. They kissed them. And they hugged them. You're welcome. And they hugged them. Do you know what? They left and every leper in the colony was healed. The Bible says, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly diseases. Isn't that powerful? Isn't God powerful? The world's getting scared. You have Zika virus and so many other things. Believe that God's going to protect you. Believe and declare his word over your life. Declare it over your children. Declare everything over your children. No matter what's happening, God, you're going to protect us from deadly diseases. Number five, he gives us security. Let's look in verse number four. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. How many of you love this psalm? This is one of the most beautiful psalms. Miss Joyce, you love that psalm, don't you? It is such a beautiful psalm. Listen to this. How many have ever heard the story about the mother hen? There was a fire and the mother hen died, burn up in the fire. And when they, they were moving the hen's body, under its wings were all its chicks unharmed. They had run under the wings of their mother and they didn't perish in the fire because they were under her wings. She died, but all the chicks were alive when they got there. I want you to think about this. Where do you run in time of trouble? The Bible says this, he will cover you when you abide in him. And this is the secret and this is the promise. You have to make him your home. And when you do, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. In other words, God will give you security. Number six, he promises to preserve you from plagues and disasters. Look in verse number seven. We'll go to number, um, verse seven, guys, thank you. Verse seven says, though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. You say, oh, that's a good promise, but have you made God your home? You see, the promise is contingent upon making him your habitation, dwelling in him, abiding in him. Let's look at the next one. Not only will, he, sa he says, no plague will come near your home, verse 10. No plague will come near your home. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. How many of you, that sounds good? Now, automatically, I think most of us are probably saying, I got a lot of plagues that have come to my home. I want a raise of hands for anybody in here who's ever had a sickness come in your home. Sickness in any way. Do you know in the Bible, plagues would come because of disobedience? Plagues came upon Egypt. Do you remember the plagues, the 10 plagues that came upon Egypt? This isn't necessarily a sickness it's talking about. It could be a famine. It could be pestilence. It could be many things. But listen to this. This is very important. He says, when you abide in me, no plague will come near him. That sounds really good to me. 
And that sounds really good to me. And I'm going to start declaring these verses over my home. Because sometimes sickness comes in the home and sometimes things wants to just come in your home. And how many of you are ever real happy when you're very sick? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to get real happy. You, you know, God doesn't want you discouraged. How many of you know it's not God's will to make you sick? It's not his will. So this is very important for us. And he wants to protect you, right? So when you declare God's word, and even if you say, God, I'm just going to declare your word, but you're not abiding in him, and he's not your home, your habitation, there's no guarantee to these promises. Does everybody understand what I just said? You have to abide in him. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, look at this. He that abideth says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Aaron, come up here for a minute. Now, we don't, we don't have the lighting correct in here as much as I want it to, but I want you to look. How many of you can see Aaron's shadow? He's got a big old shadow. My goodness. Here, yeah, there it is. There it is. Look, look at this. So here, 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 here's the idea, right? Here's the idea. You see Aaron's shadow? I'm going to walk with you, okay? You lead. I'm going to walk with you, all right? I'm just going to follow you. Look at this. Look at this. Come on. Come on. How many of you see it? How many of you see it? Check it out. All right, let's walk back. All right, here it is. Now listen, I'm going to switch sides with you because I'm out of your shadow now. All right, here we go. Now, all right, all right, I lost it. There it is. It's over here. Now, this is very important. You're going to get it. All right, I don't want to be out of your shadow, Aaron. It'll ruin the point. Thank you. You can be seated. Here's what I want you to think about. As long as I am close to Aaron, I have the guarantee that I can abide in his shadow. In other words, you have no guarantee of God's protection. Come on, real quick. Unless you're close to him unless you've made him his home. In other words, God guarantees you protection under his shadow as you walk with him, as you have intimate relationship with him. But he cannot guarantee that if you've decided to go your own way. You've stepped outside of his shadow. Thank you, Aaron. Now, I want you to understand this. This is very important. God also promises you victory. Somebody say victory. How many of you want to lose in life? Nobody. How many of you are sore losers? I mean, like, you can't stand losing. How many of you are athletes? You play soccer, basketball, PlayStation, whatever. You're competitive. Whatever it is, come on. Don't even, Tina, you're laughing. But I've been on your Facebook. And I've seen your games. You play. Listen. And I know you don't get excited when you lose. Listen. God promises us victory. You were born to be victorious. You were born to be victorious. Look at this verse right here. We're going to look in verse number 12 and 13. 12 then 13. Verse 12 says, They will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. In other words, he's promising, this is so important. I skipped one. This is angels are sent to protect you, not victory. We're going to do victory in a moment. Verse 11. Verse 11. Thank you so much. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. How many believe in angels? Amen? Amen. How many believe in God's word? There are angels that protect you as you abide in his presence. 
In other words, he will dispatch angels to protect you. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Isn't that awesome? Let's go to the next one. Verse 12. Yeah, I believe it. They will hold you up with their hands. They will hold you up. Aaron, come here. Andy, I need you. You're always, I love it. I love using you and Aaron as illustrations. I need you guys because you're strong. You're going to hold me up, okay? All right, so you guys are going to pick me up, right? So, so, so look, when I'm weak and I've got, I have no strength, right? Now, I weigh a little bit. I've been okay. eating too much. Look, look. Now, we're not going to do this long, but look, they're holding me up. That's strong. That's strength right there. How, how many of you think they should do it a little longer, right? So, look, but these guys, thank, thank you guys. Listen, let's give a hand to these guys right here. I want you to think about this. You're never too heavy for an angel to hold up. Somebody shout amen. No matter how difficult it is, whatever you're going through, the angels of God are dispatched. Look at this. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Verse number 13. Look at what the Bible says here. We're going to talk about victory that God promises as you abide in him, as you make him your home. You will trample upon lions and cobras. Now, I don't want to jump on a lion or a cobra. I think the point of what he's saying is no matter what comes at you, he's promising you victory. Amen? Don't go to the zoo and say, my pastor said you'll be on TV, national TV. I think some of the churches in the South took that literally. So they handle snakes and they, listen, what God's saying is no matter what comes at you in life, no matter what enemy comes at you in life, Look at this. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions. And just like the Spirit of God came upon David, he crushed a lion. Did you know that? When the Spirit of God's on you and his angels are protecting you, nothing that comes against you can be victorious because his angels are with you. Look at this. It says, you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Poisonous adders. Look at this. This is so powerful. This is a promise of God. He promises us victory in life, victory over enemies, victory over circumstances. Verse 11, he will answer when you call. We're going to look in verse number 15. Verse 15, the Bible says this. When they call on me, I will answer. So when you're abiding in God, when God is your home, when you call on him, he will answer. But do you know why so many people say, I'm calling and it doesn't seem like God's listening? It's because you haven't practiced his presence. It's because you haven't made him your habitation. It's because you haven't had intimacy with him where my sheep hear my voice and they know me. Look at this. He says, when they call on me, I will answer. There's a guarantee by God that when you call on him, he will answer. And he says, and I will be with them in trouble and I will rescue and honor them. Now, this is important. Stay on that verse for just a moment. He says, not only will he answer our call, but he also promises us his continual presence. He says, I will be with you in trouble. How many have ever gone through trouble before? When God is your home, when God is your home, he will be with you in trouble. Did you know you are not promised absence of trouble? Did you know God never, ever, never, never promises in his word, life will be easy for you? In fact, in fact, the psalmist said this. Let me read this to you. 
In Psalms, this is not on there, guys. In Psalms 34, 19, the psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. In other words, you go through life, you're going to experience trouble. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble from people, trouble in your own mind at times, trouble in life. We all go through life. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be trials. Amen? Amen. Now that's as we go through life. But he says, I'm going to be with you in trouble. You're not going through any trouble alone. There is no trouble you will ever go through that God will not be with you. And let me prove the point. I was in the shower, and most of you know this story, but I want you to hear what God did for me as I, after I lost my son who died after living five and a half months, died of a metabolic disorder. My heart was broken, and I didn't know what to do. And I cried out to God, God, all I ever wanted was you. And after a 45-minute shower of nothing but tears and a broken heart, my son had just died, I said, God, all I ever wanted was you. If you are with me, I need you to show me that your presence is with me. And I asked for God to give me a sign. And he says here, when they call on me, I will answer. God is never too busy to answer you. God is never too bombarded by other calls that he won't pick up. And it says, when they will call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. And as I cried out to God that night, I asked God for a sign. And a, a miracle took place where I opened up my phone and found a person text me the exact passage of Scripture I had just asked God to give me by 12 o'clock that night or I would be leaving Cambridge. I said, God, out of the whole Bible, if you hear me, give me this passage, what you have promised you're able to perform. I got out of the shower. My wife said, your phone made a noise. I picked it up. I looked at it. I opened up the scripture, and the verse was in front of my eyes. What God had promised, he was able also to perform. Why? Because God's with you in trouble. He's with you no matter what you're going through. This is very important you understand this. The Christian life is not easy. Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. And that is a promise. You're going to go through tribulation. But he said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. And I just wanted to finish the verse I gave prior to this. When he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, I wanted to give you just the end of what David had to say. But the Lord delivers them out of all of them. In other words, you're going to go through affliction, you're going to go through trouble, but God's going to bring you up out of it. Amen? Amen? And if you're going through trouble tonight, if you're going through affliction tonight, if you're tried, if there's trouble in your heart, trouble in your mind, trouble from people in your family, whatever your trouble is, God is going to deliver you out of that. You've got to start declaring, God is going to bring me out of this because the Bible says, when they call on me, I will answer, I will be with them in trouble. God is going to rescue me. And then he says, and I'm going to honor them. Now, what does that mean? This is very important. It actually words from, comes from the word kabod. And that word kabod means a weight, a weight of glory. In other words, what God's saying is when you're going through trouble, he's going to rescue you and he's going to honor you. In other words, the weight of God's glory is going to fall upon you. And when God's glory falls upon you, you can walk into a place and people see the glory of God no matter what you're going through. You can walk in a place and they're going to see God in you because you've made God your home. 
And when you make God your home, you can walk into a place and they're going to say, I can't even understand it, but something's about you. I've never seen anything like it before. There's a glory. There's a glow. There's something on your life. There's an anointing. They might not even know what word it is. We've had people come up to tables before. We didn't even know and just sit beside us and say, I can't explain it, but there's a glow coming from you all. There's a glow over here. There's something I can't explain. The world needs the glory of God. And as we carry the glory of God everywhere we go, everywhere you go, the weight of God falls. It falls in your home upon your wife or your spouse and your children. It falls when you go out into this world. God's favor, his love, his glory, it falls everywhere you go when you abide in his presence and you make him your home. The more time you spend with him, the more you're like him. And he transforms you. He shares his secrets with you. He even shares secrets about others so they can be helped, delivered, and set free when you abide in his presence. And this is so important for our church tonight and for each and every one of you in your lives because you can wait for a Saturday to Saturday and you can get into that rut, that religious rut where there is no passion for God each and every day of your life, but God wants you to be a person of his presence. Next, he promises in verse 16 to give you a long life. How many of you want to live a long life And not just long, but a healthy, long life. Amen? I don't want to be 150 years old and be crippled and broken and full of diseases. But I want God to prosper me. I want him to bless me. You know, in the word of God, the Bible said, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. Do you know that's the heartbeat of God? That's a New Testament passage. And if the God of the Old Testament desired even for the children of Israel to be in health, how much more under the grace of God does God want you to be in health and favor of the Lord? How many of you just believe that with all your heart? You believe it. Amen? We are under a covenant of grace. And God wants to bless you. It's okay. It's not heresy to say God wants to bless me. It's when you recognize you have a good father who loves you and wants to bless your life. He wants to make you. How many of you are fathers in here? Raise your hand then you understand what it's like to want to bless your children. You wouldn't want to inflict any sickness on your your child, would you? You wouldn't want to, no, God's not like that. He's good, and he gives good gifts to us. Listen closely, because God promises also, not only long life, but he promises, I'm going to go to verse 16, salvation and continual deliverance. Somebody would say, man, I got saved Years ago, but I'm battling and I'm struggling today. When you abide in God's presence, when you make God your home, when you make God your habitation, he says, I will reward you or them with a long life and give them my salvation. Let me just say something very clearly. When the Bible says, I will give them my salvation, he's literally talking about his own son, Jesus Christ. When God says, I'm going to reward you with a long life and give you my salvation, he's literally speaking of his own son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior. The word salvation means deliverance. In other words, he wants to give you a continual deliverance. If you're in here tonight and you say, I've been saved, I believe on Jesus, but you have a habitual struggle in your life, something like a cycle you've never broken, something that you're in bondage to, God promises it to give you a continual salvation. He saves you 
and he continues to save you. He continues to deliver you because whom the Lord has set free, he shall be free indeed. That's what God wants for your life. He wants complete healing and deliverance in your life, amen? How do you get that? So many people call my phone. Pastor Abe, my, my kids just got locked up. Do you know how often this happens? It's amazing to me. Pastor Abraham, please pray for me. I haven't seen him in two years. Please pray for me. My son-in-law, my daughter, this person just did this and they're locked up. And I pray for him every time. Pastor, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what got into the grandkids. I remember one time there was a person who, who came to me and they said, I don't know what's wrong with my kids. I don't know what's wrong with my grandkids. And I looked at them and I said, I think I know. It's you. I said, because every time you promise you're going to be where God wants you to be, you don't show up. And then you expect them to magically turn out for God when you don't even spend time with God. So what God wants to do, he wants to change you before he changes them. Something I've learned in life is everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything does. If you want your children to turn out, then you need to make God your habitation. You need to make him your home. And I'll tell you why children don't turn out sometimes for God. I know why children get, 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 get arrested and, and they get, yeah, it's because moms and dads might preach at them and tell them everything to do right. But until you do it in grace and in love and until you're abiding in God's presence, you don't have it to give to them. You have to make God your habitation every day. If you could fill up your car once a week with gas, wouldn't it be a perfect world? But that's how we treat God. We want a quick fill up on a Saturday night. Somebody somehow to infuse life in me, but who's really seeking God every day? Who's spending hours before God and worshiping and praying and saying, God, I want you. You are my home. You're my habitation. That's when God transforms a church, a city, a nation. It's when people make God their home. That's what's going to make the difference in your life. I guarantee you this. If you start making God your habitation, if you start making God your home every day, and you say, God, you're my home. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. When you start making God your home, God's going to deliver you. He's going to set you free. He's going to fight your battles for you. He's going to send angels to you, dispatching to help you, protect you, provide for you. Financial burdens will begin to go. Debt will begin to go because you've made God your habitation. If there's anybody who ever listened to this and ever actually modeled it for us, it's Jesus. The Bible says in Mark, early in the morning, before it, while it was still dark, before the sun ever came up, Jesus left. And the Bible says early in the morning, the disciples are sleeping, but do you know who was awake spending time with the Father? It was Jesus. He knew a principle in life. He had to go out and spend time in relationship and intimacy in order to do the miracles. And if Jesus needed time and intimacy to do the miracles and preach the life-changing messages, we still hear and, and, and preach today the same messages that he preached. 
How much more do we need that affirmation from God? How much more do we need that so we can bring it home? How much more do we need that so we can see our city changed? How much more do we need the presence of God? We don't need religion. We don't need a show. We don't need more music. We don't just need more events. We need his presence. And we need people who will say, I am going to spend time with God every day. He is my home. And it's not just going to be time. It's going to be intimate time with him. And I suggest to you, if you're wondering, how do I do that? That's a good question. First, I would just suggest that you begin by just praising him. And you just begin by praising God and thanking him. And then there's times that he might say, hey, don't say anything. And you just sit there with worship music on, perhaps, or just at being quiet with you and God and you admiring his beautiful creation. But you're just spending time to worship him and make him your home, your habitation. And you begin to reflect on all his goodness in your life. You begin to reflect on the day you were in addiction and Jesus set you free. You become thankful and gratitude starts building in your heart. And you start building and forging a relationship with God. And now it becomes intimate. And it becomes intimate. And then you're so filled with God's presence that you want nothing more but more of him. And more of him. And each and every day of your life it's going to grow. And some of you might say, well, what's the pastor saying? Spend two to three hours? No, spend your life at his home. Spend your life making God your home. Even while you're driving, while you're at work, begin to speak to God. Begin to thank God because he's your habitation even when you're changing a tire on a car. Even when, even when you're at school or studying, he is your habitation. Even when you're being picked on or bullied at school, God is my habitation. And you, when you make God your home, even when you're busy, when you're going through trouble, everything in life changes. Because now you're living under his shadow. The sun that comes to scorch you. The interpretation of that is the world and the pressures of life. But you're abiding in his shadow. And when you're abiding in his shadow, the sun cannot scorch you. Because you're protected, because you're in intimacy with him. And you're walking close to him. If there's ever any message this church needed to hear, it's this. This is very important. This is very important as I close. There's something I wanted to bring up to you. Everything that I've said, every promise God gave is contingent upon three things, and I'm done. Number one, please, nobody leave. This is very important. And even at the end, we have people sometimes that seem to leave so often. Please, don't do that. It's very distracting. We have cameras going very important, there's conditions that God has given us. Listen to this. I love what Heidi Baker said. She said, my secret is the secret place. Those who live, abide, dwell, rest, sit down in the shelter of the secret place. The secret place is a place of protection and covering. Of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now listen close to this. Here's three conditions and I'm done. Number one, the first condition in order to receive the promises of God is the Lord must be your home. You must make a decision tonight that the Lord is going to be my home. You see, I know what happens in life. We get distracted and we get busy. Am I right? You hear something, you go home, and you come back, 
being a forgetful hearer and not a doer of the word you just heard. What happens then is our hearts become hardened because you never applied it. What you don't use will harden. I've told this story before, but I'll never forget we went in our, we were very mischievous. I lived in Fettlesburg, Maryland. Me and my brothers were very mischievous. I was the youngest, so I was being influenced by them. They were older. I was a very godly young man. Actually, I was kicked out of kindergarten and all types of crazy things. Anyway, that's under the blood. Listen to this. I remember we went into my, my uncle's trailer, and somehow we got in there. I don't know how we did it, but we got in there, and it was filled with stuff. I mean, top to bottom. I mean, just this old trailer. And uh, we walked through, and I loved walking through the old trailers. We would go on my grandmother. She had one in the middle of the woods, and we would just try to find stuff and everything we could do. And, and they were... They were kind of abandoned, but he used it for storage also. And we went in there, and there was these huge five-gallon paint cans in there. And I'll never forget, we looked at those, and, man, we thought, what can we get into? And um, I remember we opened the lids, and they were very heavy. And we cracked the lids of them, and uh, we folded the tabs up all the way around it. We opened that lid up, and they were solid. They had sat I don't know how long. Whatever it was, it was silver. That's all I remember. It was silver. It was like several of these, and they were solid. And, and we picked these up, and I forget what we did with them. It probably wasn't good. I have a forgetful memory of every bad thing I've ever done. It works out really good for me. What I want to say is this, is just like that paint, what you don't use, you will lose. It will harden. If you don't apply it, you won't be able to because it's going to become hardened, and you won't be able to apply it after time goes on. So it's very important as you're hearing this message tonight that you learn to apply what God is speaking to you. Apply the wisdom God's given you. When you apply it, that's when you see the difference in your life. How many of you want to be calling two or three years from now, Pastor, I'm still going through the same thing. You want to get out of that cycle? Apply the paint. Amen? Apply the word to your life. Number one, the Lord must be your home. Listen closely. God cannot protect you if you are not near him. You have to be close to him in order to be in his shadow, as I said earlier. Number two, the condition for meeting, uh, for, for God's promises to be met. Number two, you must trust in him. Verse two, let's look at verse two real quick. Verse two of Psalms 91. You must trust in him. This is very important. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge my place of safety, he is my God, and I trust him. I trust him. Listen to this. Every relationship is dependent upon trust. Every good relationship is totally dependent upon trust. Your relationship with God is based on your trust of God. And this is very important. And your trust can even grow in God, but it's as you spend time with him in his presence and God begins out of that love to build trust. Amen? Amen. This is very important. You understand this. If you don't trust God, what kind of a relationship do you really have? Number three, so the Lord must be your home. You must trust him. And number three, you must love the Lord. We're going to look at verse number 14, 15, and 16. Start in 14. I'm going to close with this. You must love the Lord. 
Verse 14 says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who what? Who love me. There's a promise right there. He doesn't say, I will rescue those who put up with me or those who hate me. He says, I will rescue those who love me. Do you know why? Because they're in relationship with him. They've made him their home. I will protect those who trust in my name. Verse 15. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Now, this is very important. God wants to bless you. Real quickly, as I close, I had a lot of things up here I would have liked to said, and I think I've said most of it. God promises to give you rest, refuge, rescue, protection from deadly diseases, security, preservation from plagues and disasters. No plague will come near your home. Angels sent to protect you. Victory promised in your life. He will answer you when you call upon him. He will be your continual presence, will always be with you. He promises to give long life. Honor will fall upon you as you're dwelling in his presence and salvation and continual deliverance for you no matter what you're going through as you make him your home, your habitation, as you trust him and as you love him with all of your heart. Tonight's invitation is, is simply this. Simply this. I believe God's already really spoken to us tonight. Tonight's invitation is simply this. Is God your home? Is God your home? And if he's not your home, your habitation, the place where you dwell, this is what I feel in my heart. Some of you have good desires. You have really good desires. But you'll never come into that inheritance until you move from a desire to actually making God your home and dwelling in his presence. I'm going to tell you this. This is not just for pastors, for teachers, for workers in a church. This is for every believer. Lord, you are my home. I can say with all of my heart tonight, unashamedly, Lord, you are my home. Perhaps you're listening to today's broadcast and you say, Pastor Abraham, my life is so broken. I don't even want to live anymore. Maybe you have an addiction in your life and you've been trying to be free for years of your life. Dear friend, I want you to know something. This is not a coincidence. This is an appointment with God today. God desires to have a relationship with you. He wants to make you his son or his daughter. If that's the desire of your heart, I want you to pray with me from your heart right now. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, right now, I desire to have a relationship with you. I believe that you love me and that Jesus died for me on the cross. Right now, I accept your gift of righteousness. I know because of the blood of Jesus that I am made righteous and whole in your sight. I thank you, Jesus. From this moment on, I am a child of God. Dear friend, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says this, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That means there's no more condemnation to you because now you are in Christ. You are a child of God. If you would like to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and you prayed that prayer, I want you to contact me on this number right now, 443 480 
888-400-4083. Call us. We want to help you grow in your new life in Jesus Christ. If you would like to learn more about the ministries at Jesus Church Cambridge or wish to hear more messages like this one, please go to www.jesuschurchcambridge.com.